Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. Good to see everybody this morning. Welcome to church. Would you do me a favor? Welcome those that are watching online this morning. Give them a big hand clap for being with us this morning. Come on, give our online audience a, a big hand clap today. They're good. Uh, and so we're so good that you, we're so good, we're so glad that you're with us this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. Come on, 61 degrees tomorrow. Come on, welcome to Ohio. Snow on Thursday. Amen. Sorry. So uh, we're glad that you're with us. If you're our guest this morning, my name's Jason, and uh, we're glad that you're with us today. And uh, when you came in, you should have had an opportunity to stop by our guest table and, and uh, grab a connection card. Love for you to hold on to that at the very end of service. Uh, we're going to have you stop by the next steps there. We have a free gift for you. Just want to say thank you for coming and being a part of this very special day. And so let's give our guests a big hand clap, everybody. Come on, give them a big hand clap for being with us today. And uh, today we do have a very special announcement, but I will do that at the very end today. And uh, I want to open up God's Word before I, before I share. And I want you to know today that it's not just an announcement, it's a declaration of war. It's kind of what the Lord has placed in my heart today. That it's not just an announcement, it's not just a, it's not just a, a, a fun announcement, it is, a, it is a declaration of war. And I will explain that as we go. But we've been in this series called Ready, Set, Wait. And today, we're going to do part three of that series. And, uh, and the key statement for this series is this, is that the Holy Spirit empowers you to live a supernatural life in a natural world. Supernatural life, he empowers you to live a supernatural life in a natural world. And so how many of you have ever been to like, a, like you ever met somebody that's been, how many's never been to Disney? Anybody never been to Disney? Good. You're rich. Amen. Meaning you didn't spend all your money on Mickey. And, uh, and so have you ever met somebody that's been to Disney and uh, uh, maybe you've never been and they've been and they came back from Disney and, and they ask you, have you ever been to Disney? And you're like, I ain't never been to Disney. And they're like, oh, you don't know what you're missing. Oh, yeah, I do. I know what I'm missing. <laughs> And, and like, they, they, they have this mentality like, man, you don't have any idea what you're missing. Uh, I will say I took a Disney cruise at one point, and uh, come on, their, their chocolate ice cream Mickey Mouse bars are from heaven. Amen. And when you're on a cruise, it's real simple. Bring me five. Come on, that room service, they just bring it to you. But, but, but you know, you feel like you're missing something, they, 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 and they start to describe to you Disney. You don't have no context because you've never been there. Or maybe the latest movie, they ask you, hey, have you seen this movie? And, uh, uh, and you're like, no, I ain't seen this movie. And they start to describe the movie, and they're like, you don't know what you've been missing. You, you don't know what you're missing. And, and that terminology this morning is kind of where I want to go with today's message. You know, I like a, I'm, a good, I'm a sports guy. I love sports. And um, I won't go to bed till the game's over. Anybody else? Right? I like a good comeback. Uh, I was watching this guy the other day, and he was talking about, I think it was the Alabama-Georgia game, and Alabama was down. Not that I want to talk about Alabama on a Sunday, but anyway, I mean, yeah, amen, whatever. And so, better than talking about Michigan. Hey, Chris, I love you. Um, and so, um, but uh, Alabama was playing Georgia, and it was, I think it was double overtime, and everybody thought Georgia had it all wrapped up in the books, and uh, they, had, they had done, it was like 23 to 20. I think it was double overtime, and they, Georgia had sacked the quarterback like 20 yards back. And so everybody thought, well, this is it. The game's over. 
well, Alabama in Alabama fashion, you know, everybody went to bed, was like, this thing's over. Well, Alabama in Alabama fashion, he dropped back and he threw a long pass to the corner of the end zone. Alabama scored and they win. Now, if you went to bed on that one, you know, you woke up the next morning like, what in the world? Like, right, you feel like you missed something. Or you talk to people that have been to a sporting game and you weren't there and they were like, man, you don't have any idea what you're missing in that moment. Well, I, I want to talk to you about that this morning, that you don't know what you're missing and really reference to the Holy Spirit. I'm getting a little ring up here somewhere. Um, and and the, the, again, it's, it's reference to uh, what you're missing. And so Acts chapter 20 is the passage that we're going to use this morning. And we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was in Acts chapter 20. I just want to kind of give you some context to it. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is living in Ephesus. Ephesus was the place where he started the church of Ephesians. The Ephesians lived there, and you read your Bible, the book of Ephesians. And he, he started the church there, and they turned it over to his protege, Timothy. And uh, Ephesus was probably about 110,000 members at the time that Paul turned it over to Timothy. And so he's living in Ephesus, and he's got a good life. He's, he's got a great life. He's comfortable. He's, built his, he's raised his kids there. He's, he's built a family there in, in Ephesus. And so it's a very comfortable place. And then Acts chapter 20 happens in his life, and all of a sudden it says that, that, says that God comes to Paul— and he says to Paul, he says, he says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, God, he felt compelled to go to Jerusalem. So he's living this life, he's, he's, he's living this life in Ephesus, and, and Paul, Paul loved it. He loved Ephesus. He didn't plan on leaving Ephesus. And so all of a sudden, uh, uh, God comes to Paul, and, and Paul all of a sudden gets this compelling word from God, and he goes from Ephesus to Jerusalem. Ephesus to Jerusalem. And Ephesus to Jerusalem is about 200 miles away. And the passage, here's what the passage says in Acts 20, 22. It says, and now compelled by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of the grace of God. Now, I want you to understand something this morning. All of us have an Ephesus. All of us have an Ephesus where we are comfortable in a place. All of us have an Ephesus where it's, we build our life around this place, and, and we've worked the same job for so many years, and, and you know, we've raised our kids here, and we're rooted here, and, and this would be like the Apostle Paul, but we all have an Ephesus. Let's, let's kind of transition location and go, we all have a comfortable place. We all have a place that whether we realize this or not, that we have a place where we've gotten stuck. And Paul, the apostle Paul, was in that place. He had gotten comfortable in Ephesus, and God spoke to him, and this is what he said. He said, I am compelled by the Spirit of God, which is who we're talking about this morning. We're talking about living a supernatural life in a natural world that the Holy Spirit speaks to Paul, and he tells him, I want you to go from Ephesus to Jerusalem. 
Now, we're going to look at the progression of this passage because we all have an Ephesus. But listen to me this morning. Here's what I want you to understand about this passage this morning. Is that we all have an Ephesus, but God has a Jerusalem for us. We all have an Ephesus, but God has a Jerusalem for us. And if we stay in Ephesus, here's the question, what are we missing out on? What are we missing out on if we stay in Ephesus? The Apostle Paul, he said, I'm going, but I'm not knowing. He said, I just know by the Spirit of God that I'm compelled to go. And as I go, I know there's going to be hardships. There's going to be difficulties. What you have to understand, and I'm going to prove this to you, this was probably the most strategic decision Paul made for his life. Paul would give his life in Jerusalem. And so as, as he thinks about this, that, that, that how we navigate the nudging of the Holy Spirit in this season, that God wants to do some great things through us as a church and you as an individual. So how do we, how do we move from Ephesus to Jerusalem? Number one, God's guidance. I'm going to give you three things. God's guidance. We have to choose in the day and age in which we live what guides our life. We can choose the television, we can choose social media, we can choose toxic relationships, but we have a decision to make what guides our life. We can be guided by the culture of the world, or we can be uh, guided by the kingdom of God. We can be guided by the spirit of the age, or we can be guided by the Holy Spirit. But you can't do both. You can't do both. God wants you in all the way with his Holy Spirit to lead and guide you in your life. He, so the first thing we got to do is God's guidance. We have to realize that something is guiding our life. And listen, the supernatural life that we all desire is on the other side of God's guidance. The supernatural life is on the other side of God's guidance. It's not, it's not prior to, it's not prior to obedience. It's when we obey that the supernatural life God has for us is on the other side of God's guidance as we obey the compelling nature of the Holy Spirit. Acts 20, 22, he says this, he says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. The word compelled means this, it means to bind or tie together. But when you think about this passage and you read this, this is literally what it means is that, that, that in the natural that he was tied together, but that something was pulling him while he was tied together. So he was tied together, bound together, and that something was pulling him towards Jerusalem. You ever had that in your life where maybe you're driving a certain way or at the grocery store and you just kind of feel pulled in a direction to talk to somebody? Or you're at work and all of a sudden you just kind of feel pulled in a certain direction. That's, the, that's the, what I'll call the nudgings of the Holy Spirit in your life. That he wants to nudge you into the good things of God for your life. But not just you, he wants you to be used to bless others. He wants you to be used to make an impact in your life and, and through your life. And so this word means to tie together, it means to be pulled, it literally means to be led or guided. So the Apostle Paul was saying this compelling nature of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me is that I'm bound together by the Holy Spirit and I'm going to Jerusalem. And listen to what he says, not knowing what will happen to me there. But there's repercussions for staying in Ephesus. There's repercussions for staying stuck. 
There's repercussions to staying in normal. There's repercussions for staying in comfortable. And the repercussions for the Apostle Paul was major. You don't have the book of Philippians if he doesn't go to Jerusalem. You don't have most of your Bible because he wrote it in jail in Jerusalem. We don't have parts of the Bible if the Apostle Paul doesn't make a decision to leave Ephesus and go to Jerusalem. He was being compelled by the Holy Spirit. Listen, there is a resistance to faith and being guided by the Holy Spirit. Because if we know there's hardship in front of us, we'll stay in Ephesus. If we know it's going to be difficult, we're just going to stay where we're at. And listen, the limited supply of God's blessing in your life is in Ephesus. God can only bless you so much in Ephesus. The blessing of the Lord comes in obedience, which means as you follow the Holy Spirit, that when you take a step towards Jerusalem, all of a sudden, the blessing of God comes in your life, and you're able to be used in a greater way. Enemy, the enemy doesn't want to give up territory. He wants us to stay in Ephesus. Listen, I believe the only reason Paul was confident or says with confidence, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing is because God was compelling him there, that he was bound by the Holy Spirit. Listen, sometimes God, God's guidance will lead us to a place to trust him deeper instead of more comfort for ourselves. If you're really being led by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is really leading you, and I'm not talking about churchianity and, and stuff that maybe some of you grew up with and Pentecost and those sorts of things and church services where you're bouncing off the walls and falling on the floor, flapping like a fish, and you get up on Monday and you're still cussing. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a life transformation that you can be supernaturally normal in the earth to reach more people. I'm not talking about weird. I said it last week. Fruity Cocoa Puffs. Right? It's talking about, it's, 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 it's the Holy Spirit in your life naturally moving through your life in a natural way. Well, some people might say, well, you don't ever say, thus saith the Lord on a Sunday morning, and people aren't praying in tongues and prophesying over each other. Yeah, but you have to realize something. A lot of people say, thus saith the Lord, to try to make it seem like it's spiritual. Let me help you this morning, all you churchgoers. Do you realize every message I get up and, and on Sunday mornings is a thus saith the Lord to your life? You know why? Because it's coming from the book. And that is more powerful than me saying thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. That thus saith the Lord stuff's great. But listen to me this morning. The word of God, the Bible, the prophetic word of God is something that you can live and be guided by every single day of your life. I don't need a thus saith the Lord. I need God to talk to me. And I need God to talk through me, but I need him to talk through me and not add extra to me. Come on now, because people can't receive when you add you into it, when you add the extra into it. Yeah, you want to know that Jesus loves you. It's a lot, folks. It's extra. You know what I mean? Like, thus saith the Lord, the Lord's about to divide the thing and it's about to take out your family. Whoa, hey. Why are you so aggressive? You know, I, the point is this, and I'm not downplaying the prophetic at all because I feel like I operated in it. You just don't know I operate in it. When I shake your hand on Sunday, I know what's going on in your life. Oh, some of you are like, I ain't going out that door this week. <laughs> Here's the point, is that sometimes God's guidance leads us into places that are not comfortable for ourselves. The elders in Ephesus wanted Paul to stay. 
They wanted him to stay in Ephesus, but Paul was not moved by people's opinions. He was compelled and moved by the guiding of the Holy Spirit. People will press you, but God will prompt you. And people will keep you stuck if you listen to them. People will keep you in a place of, of, of insufficiency in your life if you listen to them. So Paul said, you know what? I'm being compelled by the Holy Spirit. I honor you, but I'm moving towards what the Holy Spirit says to do. Again, that we are compelled. The word compelled is the word. You ready for this? Deo. Look at your neighbor and say, Deo. You want to sing with me this morning? They like, come in, we want to go home. Deo. Right? And so the word Deo, again, it means to tie or to bind together. I want to be a church tied to the Holy Spirit, not tied to the culture. I want to be a church that I want to get to a place in my life where I'm bound by the Spirit of God and compelled by the Spirit of God more than my understanding, more than my fears, more than my opinions, more than my feelings, and more than other people. I want to be bound by the Holy Spirit to do what God is asking me to do. Come on. Now, that's not very reasonable. Do you think the God of the universe is trying to reason with you? Do you think the one that created everything you see is trying to get his mindset down to your little peon mindset? No, he says, I want you to think bigger. I want you to think my thoughts, because my thoughts are bigger than your thoughts. Every time I let God be God, it builds my trust in him. Every time I let God be God, it gives me confidence, listen, that he knows what he's doing even when I don't. That's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, I'm going not knowing. I'm just obeying. God knows what he is doing. So how do we transition from Ephesus to Jerusalem? God's guidance. Number two, we're going to live with a place of certain uncertainty. If you're ever going to walk with God, you're going to live in the Holy Spirit. You're going to live in that place of uncertainty at times. We went to Tennessee and we went on vacation and we went down there to Gatlinburg, which I only do once every couple, 10 years. <laughs> A little much for me. I get tired of getting stuck with, with that, in that mirrored room they have down there where they make you pay that money and you got to go through that mirror maze. I can't ever get out. I'm like, have you ever seen a big man 400 times trying to get out of a maze in that? Anyway, it's, they steal my money. Anyway, so we went to the, the bridge. They have the flying bridge. And you take the ski lift up to the top of the mountain and you get off and they get, they, it's all nice up there. They got food and restaurant and everything. You get up to get some snacks and stuff. Well, then the, you got to go across the bridge. We're going to walk, right? And so it's, it's a free, it's, it's, it's a free bridge. There's no concrete. It's just a bridge. And then halfway out there, they have this section that's all glass, like all glass. And you can see all the way down to the bottom. Now, there's little kids running down this thing, and I'm thinking, where in the world are their parents? That kid takes one wrong turn. He's down on the—I mean, it's way down there, folks. It's all the way down. That kid's going. He's going. Well, I got on this thing with a little uncertainty because, of course, the wind would be blowing the day we choose to go. And this thing is—it it, does—it it doesn't do this, but it does do this just a little bit, just enough. So I'm walking. Braxton's there. And he's, he's walking with us in front of us. And, you know, this, he ain't got no, there's no perspective about falling over the edge to the bottom. It's like, whoa, we're on a bridge. Let's go. This is awesome, you know. And not me. I got a little uncertainty about this thing. 
So it's moving kind of, and it's windy, and I'm walking through, and I'm, I'm creeping. Man, I am creeping. I am like, here we go, everybody. We're going to go down the bridge. And then I get to the glass part, and there's kids breakdancing on it. I'm like, I saw the one in Chicago that broke, and you think about that. You're going to stop breakdancing on it, and it made it move a little more. So I got to that section, and I looked down. I was like, how am I going to get from here to there? There's no way to go around it. You got to go over it. And so family's with me. My brother-in-law's making fun of me. He's a football coach, and he's a college football coach, and he's making fun of me. And he's, he's like, oh, look at you, baby boy. And I'm like, I got some uncertainty right now. And so I'm looking at it, and I got the line backed up, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to get across this glass. And buddy, I tell you what, he was like, let's go, let's go. And like, I thought to myself, okay, I can either just run. If, if I run, it's going to be okay. But not me. I decided to tiptoe. So there I am. I'm, I'm like waiting for it to break like on ice. I'm waiting. I'm just going real slow like they're trying to get across. And you guys probably think, well, that's no big deal or whatever. What it was for me. So I'm walking real slow, and I finally get to the other side. And then I realized we got to the other side. I was like, we did it. We got to the other side. And then he was, he was like, we got to go back. I was like, oh, dang. And so I had to do the thing all over again. But I was living, I, it was just I had a sense of uncertainty that any moment this thing was going to break and we were going down, which in reality, it wasn't. It was my mind getting in the way. But listen, if you're not a little uncertain every now and then, you're not living by faith. Let me say it to you. If you're not a little uncertain every now and then, you're not living by faith. If you need a guarantee on everything God wants to do in your life, you will never be led by the Holy Spirit. If you need a guarantee, right? You go to the store and you need a guarantee that this thing's going to work. You open the package, you make sure it's going to work, and then you purchase it. Living with the Holy Spirit is buying the package without knowing whether it's going to work or not. See, there's a level of uncertainty, so if we're going to move in the direction, we're going to move out of Ephesus and move into Jerusalem, we're going to live with this place of uncertainty. And again, the Apostle Paul said it, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. He said, I'm going in spite of the uncertainty. I'm going because I'm being compelled by the Spirit. And I believe the only thing Paul was certain of was his uncertainty. This was not an easy yes for Paul. Like we think, oh, well, he's just going to move 200 miles from Ephesus to Jerusalem. No, 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 no. It's not that simple. He was being led by the Holy Spirit. He was being led back to the place that he was, they did not like him in Jerusalem. Paul was a wanted man. He says, not knowing what will happen to me there. And so the true test of faith is this. Will you obey the Holy Spirit regardless of hardship? Will you obey the Holy Spirit regardless of hardship? Listen, if we want to be greatly used of God and we want to move from Ephesus to Jerusalem, we have to give up the need for certainty. See, because if we're standing on certainty, we're not standing on God's word. Because certainty comes in our life. When we stand on God's word, it is a sure foundation for sure, but it gives us a sense of uncertainty. And here's the uncertainty. The uncertainty is this, is the future. If I take this direction and I step, what's going to happen if I step? What happens if I step in this direction? What if I move in this direction? What will happen in that moment? Listen, I went to Peru a couple times, like four times. I took some kids down there, 28 students. 
And the first time I went, we went into uncharted territory. Place has never been where people's never been and into these villages. And uh, we went, we flew into Lima, then I flew over to Iquito, so I hopped on a boat, went six hours up the Amazon. And uh, we stayed in a little place called the San Pedro uh, uh, Village, and it was 300 people that had never heard the gospel before. And so we took 28 kids in there, and what we were going to do was going to build a church the first time, or first time we were doing a well, the second time we were building a church. Well, let me just tell you, I had a lot of uncertainty. I had never been there before. I didn't know what to expect. Last time I checked, there's them big old snakes down there in the old Amazon jungle. And, uh, and so there we are. We slept out in hammocks out in the middle of the jungle. Uh, we had a little tent, like little four poles, and we strung our hammocks, and that's where we slept. And uh, so we were there in this village, but there was a lot of uncertainty. We flew in. I thought, oh, this is great. Never been to Lima. Lima's fine. No big deal. It's beautiful. Then you hop on a plane that you feel like the engines are not going to work <laughs> to get to Iquitos. And Iquitos is the largest jungle city in the world. It's about 500,000 people. And the airstrip to get your plane in is from the back wall to, the, to, from the back wall to that wall. So you're coming in. Okay. Come on, somebody. And you ain't coming in and like doing your little, your little American landing where it's all like, woo, and you just kind of land, whoop, there you are. No. You're coming in, and it's that quick. When you hit the ground, all the air things fall out, the wings are flapping. I mean, it just, in their old plane, stuff falls apart. You're like, oh, God, who's got to get on the next one? But there was so much, so I, that, the uncertainty in my heart, because I'd never been there. So the place we stayed, we ran out of water right? No showers for a couple days. Then we hopped on a boat and we went six hours up the Amazon. A lot of uncertainty. I was looking like as the, as the, the trees went by and we're in the jungle and I'm thinking to myself, what have I done? I got 28 kids out here and they're all going to get ate by anacondas. And we get there and they're like, hey, listen, you guys can, you guys can bathe in the Amazon. Just don't drink the water. I'm like, okay. Uh, funny story. We ran out of water our second trip there. So we did have to drink out of the Amazon. You should see teenagers taking a little filter, little filter tablet, putting it in, looks like chocolate milk, put it in there. And then it doesn't change it, but they tell you, oh, it's pure. Go ahead and go out. Yeah, still dark. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. The first night we slept in the jungle, there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of noises that I wasn't used to. It sounded like somebody was build, building a house around us. When lo and behold, it was, it was rats the size of cats building uh, condominiums in the back of the place we were staying. Like, and, and I got an eye on them. They're white with red eyes, and they're massive. They like peanut butter, though. I figured that out the second trip. Come on, somebody. But the bats, the, the vampire bats, they're this big, and they have teeth. And it's dark in the jungle, so we're trying to do a well, and we're trying to have church services at night to reach the community. And we have these headlights. I didn't realize what was going on, because there's, there's, no, there's no electricity, and it's pitch black. And we have headlights on. Guess what happens in the jungle when you turn a headlight on? Every bug from the Amazon jungle attacks your face. And you're like, you're trying to preach, and there's bugs, and there's bats, and all of a sudden, and I remember one night, I used to sleep in the, in the hammock with my legs like this, so it would be tight, right? Because I knew that if something fell in it, we was going to be wrestling, y'all. I mean, like, it was getting ready to get real. And so, one night, I remember hearing them come, these bats, you can hear them, these vampire bats are like, I mean, it sounded like an army coming. 
And I remember I could hear him coming. I was like, oh God, please don't let her get into my, don't let it get in my net, dear Jesus. And I'm pushing as hard as I can out on my net, hoping, and it worked. That vampire bat, you could hear it. He came, he hit my net. I had it so tight. He hit my net, he went boing, he bounced right off of it. Come on, somebody, I'm free, <laughs> free. But there was a lot of uncertainty going into it. I didn't know everything we were gonna get into. I didn't know we were digging a well by hand. We took one of these, these, it looked like a post hole digger, and you just, you just do this, and then you pull it up, attach a pipe, and you keep doing the pipes like 20 foot long, and you just keep doing it. You attach, you attach the pipe, you, attach, you keep doing it until you hit water. I'm talking nine hours in the jungle, dehydrated, eating chicken that looks like it's got an eating disorder because it's, there's no meat on it. And they give us these sandwiches. It was bologna. It was not bologna. It was not. It was something else that was not bologna. But I, I, was, I was just uncertain of that moment. But listen, it didn't stop us. It didn't stop me from going to the jungle and seeing a village of 300 people that 65% of them had never heard the gospel. All of a sudden, they heard the gospel, and people started responding to the gospel in the jungle. They never had fresh water. You know the water you drink every day? We, you know, we take that stuff for granted. They never had fresh water. We put a well in for them. They don't go drink the water right away. They're uncertain of the water. They're used to drinking out of the, the Amazon. They're, all their bellies are like this because they got worms inside of them, parasites. And they know if they drink fresh water, it's going to cause them to get sick, just like we do if we drink the Amazon water, we're going to get sick. We had to coach them to drink fresh water. But once they started drinking fresh water, the parasites on the inside of them started to die, and they became healthy because they drank fresh water. They were uncertain of what fresh water could do, but once they started drinking it, all of a sudden, they started getting better, and they started getting free, and they started getting healthy. I'm here to tell you this morning that it might be some uncertain times in front of us, but man, if we can go get fresh water, if we can be a distributor of fresh water, and we can take that fresh water to our generation and we can take it to the neighborhoods and to our workplaces that the sin and the brokenness and the addictions that people are going through, the lack of hope, the lack of confidence, when we bring fresh water in, all of a sudden it's going to drive it all out in Jesus' name. But listen, you got to get past your uncertainty. We got to get past our uncertainty. Here's my concern as a pastor, is that if we had a choice to make between familiarity without God versus uncertainty with God, we would choose familiarity without God in our current state. That is the biggest concern I have as a pastor, is that we would choose familiarity in the, in the, in the state with the, that we live in with God. We would, we, we're good in Ephesians. We're good in Ephesus. Don't ask us to move out of Ephesus. Don't ask us to do anything different. We like Ephesus. But what are we missing because we don't step out of Ephesus? May we not live in that place where we choose familiarity without God, but we choose uncertainty with God. Man, I'd rather be way out on the limb with God than to be comfortable without God. And so uncertainty, comfortableness, I really believe that comfortableness is the enemy of calling. And sometimes in some seasons, all we got in our spirit is this, I feel compelled by the spirit. Sometimes we don't have anything else. Just I'm compelled by the spirit to move in this direction of my life. Listen, if you don't, if you need to know everything, 
you don't need the God who can do anything. If you need to know everything, you don't need the God who can do anything. How could Paul go from certainty in Ephesus to uncertainty in Jerusalem? Only by the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Number three is this, devoted determination. If we're going to move out of Ephesus into Jerusalem, we're going to have to live with a devoted determination. And here's the thing I realized when I was studying this. I can't decide your devotion. As your pastor, you that are guests, I can't decide your devotion. Devotion and devoted determination comes from a decision that you have to make. People come to me all the time, how can I hear God? Well, how much time are you spending in the Word? Are you passionate about God's Word? I can't determine that for you. What about worship, Pastor? I mean, like, I, I don't feel like I really worship. Well, guess what? Guess what? I can't determine that for you. Hey, here's another one. What about when nobody's looking? Are you devoted? And I'm not just talking about immorality. I'm talking about when your boss is not around, does your work ethic go down when your, boss is, when your boss is not around, but when your boss is around, all of a sudden you become this great employee? Come on, somebody, how devoted are you when nobody's watching? Devoted determination takes you from Ephesus to Jerusalem. I can't decide that for you. Is, listen, is your devotion directed at the right stuff? Because I can tell you, if it's not, you don't know what you're missing. We don't know what we're missing. What are we missing if we don't focus our devotion and listen to the Holy Spirit? Listen to Paul's focus, his devoted determination in Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Listen, my only aim, this was Paul's mission and his purpose of the devotion. He says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. Here's the task. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. See, he had one aim, and he was devoted to that. He was determined that at the end of his life, he would be able to say, I completed the task. Listen, Paul will give his life for this decision. This was a decision where he would give his life and, and he said, I consider my life nothing to me. So it didn't matter to him because he had already died. He had already sold out to Christ. Jesus encountered him when he was Saul on the road to Damascus. He was persecuting Christians. He was murdering Christians. He was persecuting the church. And the Lord Jesus came and knocked him off his horse, changed his life revolutionized to him who he was. And all of a sudden he went from Saul to Paul and he's at the, one of the, the last decisions of his life is right here. This would determine how he would die. So the apostle Paul in devoted determination said this one thing I'm aiming at is to complete the course. Again, he could have stayed in Ephesus, but what would, what would he have missed? But more importantly, think about this. What would me and you have missed? You're like, I'm disconnected from that. That was thousands of years ago. Right. But the Bible you read, again, it goes back to this moment with the Apostle Paul. 
The Apostle Paul wrote certain scriptures that you quote today. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is in Philippians 4.13. That, that was written in jail in Jerusalem. Come on, Philippians 4.6 says this, be anxious about nothing. But by everything in prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. That's a passage we quote. That's a passage that we have. But guess what? We don't have that passage if Paul stays in Ephesus. So think about the repercussions of a decision and a devoted determination to do what God has asked him to do. Paul said this at the end of his life in Timothy. He said this. He said, I fought the good fight of faith. I finished my course. With devoted determination, he finished his course. He left Ephesus to go to Jerusalem to make an impact. Listen, Paul has an aim. Our church has an aim. Aim. Here's our aim as a church is to introduce people to the real Jesus in Southwest Ohio in the world. We have one aim is that we would introduce people to the real Jesus. And I'm devoted and I'm determined and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and I'm not worried about convenience and uncertainty. I'm not worried about Ephesus. I'm not worried about being in this room. I'm worried about listening and being compelled by the Holy Spirit because I don't want to miss what God wants to do in this region. I don't want to miss the awakening and the revival that God wants to do in this region. Why? Because if we stay comfortable, we'll miss it. But God's calling us out on the water. Acts 20, I want to read out a message. It says it this way. But there is another urgency before me now. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I do know that it won't be any picnic. For the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. But that matters little to me. What matters most to me is to finish what God started, the job the Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredible, extravagant generosity of God. We have no idea what we're missing if we stay in Ephesus. We have no idea what we're missing if we stay comfortable. And as I was thinking about this, here's the most important thing. We have no idea who we are missing if we stay in Ephesus. Not the what, the who. We have no idea who we can reach if we stay uncomfortable. We have no idea whose world will be healed and delivered and set free if we stay in Ephesus. Every move we make as a church is about leading and being led by the Holy Spirit. We just celebrated 10 years. This is our 10th year as a church. Come on, somebody. This is the 10th year as a church. And we celebrated 10 years of God's faithfulness. We started in a house in 2011, seven months, meeting in a house with some amazing people. Most are still here, a part of the church, and serving and, and have served over the years and super grateful. And, uh, and so 10 years. And so we started meeting in the junior high in 2012, and uh, that's been a great experience. And we did that for nine years and some months. And then we made a decision to move to this place. 
And we saw immediate growth. Our church went from averaging about 170 people to our first six, seven weeks in this room, we were averaging 245 people on a weekend, reaching more people. Come on, somebody, that's a big deal. Because here's what I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit is not leading us to do something without taking into consideration that what it's about. What it's about is more people. What it's about is about people. It's about people going from death to life, bottom line. And so when we made this move to here, um, in between those years, in 2016, I was taking the trailers back when I drove the trailers and helped out, and I drove the trailers, amen. I drive them. I was coming back from dropping the trailers off at the, uh, at the storage unit, and I drove by our, the, the property there on Social Row Road, and there was all these signs out in front of it. It said, um, uh, for sale by owner. I thought, like, well, okay, well, that's great. We need a spot. I've looked at probably 30 different buildings. So I, I went, I looked at the property, I talked to the owner, um, and we were able to purchase that property in 2016 for $299,000, almost seven acres. You go a quarter of a mile to the corner of Yankee and Social, there's 7.3 acres there, and it's like 1.7 million, and it stayed at that. How many know we got a deal? Come on, somebody. God gave us a deal. So in 20, 2020, at the end of 2019, we put on our hearts, we met with our overseers, and I was like, I want this thing paid for. I'm done just paying this. I want, I want it gone. I want to pay more interest on it. And so we came up with a strategy between January and Easter. And we came to you and we said, we won't pay the land off. Well, between January and Easter, uh, there was something that really happened big in our world. <laughs> It, we started a pandemic. And so, but listen, listen to me, you started giving, and I believe just in like two months, there was about $50,000 given. We owed $136,000 on the property. Well, in, in um, February, leading into March, before the COVID hit, the Lord just impressed on me, go ahead, we have it in our savings, go ahead and pay off the land. And don't ask for money anymore about it, no, nothing else, okay? So we did, we paid it off, praise God. We went through COVID, we celebrated that our land was paid for. Come on somebody, that's a big deal, it's paid for. And so I'm, I'm showing you these steps because we've really tried to be super uh, transparent, trustworthy, good stewards. We have really good leadership around us. Our overseers are incredible. They're way far ahead of us when it comes to church um, and how they do church and, and, and the way they do things. And uh, we have a great board of trustees here that look at our finances every quarter. We have a great accountant that looks at our finances. And I, and I just want you to know that you, through your generosity, we've been able to be a good steward of our finances. And so we've been able to, to, to do certain things that we, we don't ever have to ask for anything, right? And so, um, so in, that's me or what? So we paid off the land. Now I wanna read a passage to you. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem has looked like all the people um, over the last 10 years, and obviously this is a very small slide of how many people this represents, but Jerusalem is what the Bible would consider home. Paul was in Ephesus, he moved to Jerusalem. Jerusalem in Acts chapter one was the central hub. And I really believe the central hub has to be really strong and growing before we just start running everywhere else. God wants us to make an impact right here in Southwest Ohio. 
And so it starts with Jerusalem. So we've noticed um, uh, over the last, probably the last six months or so, the Lord's just really been dealing with me. I was in, I was in Pastors University in uh, 2021. I was in a mastermind group with leaders, top leaders of, our, of, of, of the world, really, of guys that lead at very high levels. And uh, I was able to be a part of that, just 14 guys. God broke a ton of walls down in my heart. God, God, God filled my life with faith. He, 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 over the last six months, eight months now, he's just really poured into me, broke down walls, got me to a place of courage as your pastor. And so, um, so the scripture tells us we must be Jerusalem. And so I've been praying, we've been praying about our next steps as a church, again, for the past six to eight months. And um, we can't stay in Ephesus forever. And so with prayer, counsel, discussion with our overseers, I'm here to announce to you this morning that we are aggressively moving towards getting out of the school and building our facility on Social Row Road. Come on, somebody. Come on, give Jesus a big hand clap. is now. The time is now. And there's people moving around. Let them move around. You guys stay. Go ahead and have a seat. I just want to share a couple things with you. My friend James, which is a part of the Leadership Development International, he's come alongside us. He led my mastermind last year and just a really amazing guy. He's just kind of helping us behind closed doors. One of the things the Lord broke down in my life was me feeling like I needed to do this on my own. There was times, you don't know how many times I've drew the building, how many times I've thought about how we're going to do this, all those sorts of things. And uh, just really, um, just really wrestling with it. And somebody spoke to me at the, at the mastermind. Um, he actually, uh, uh, he runs a, a sprinkler business and uh, oversees all of uh, Donald Trump's properties in West Palm and really good friends with him. And he looked at me in the face and he said, Jason, if you keep trying to do this by yourself, and don't bring somebody in that's, that's been there and done that, you'll stay in Ephesus, is pretty much what he said. And I have a heart, I mean, my heart is, is to continue to be a good steward of what God's given us. And so, um, and so, man, I don't know if you understand this or not, but when you've been pregnant with something and you finally make the announcement, whew, I feel like I just had a baby. Come on, somebody. Man, I feel lighter. I've been holding on to this. I don't know. I've been preaching. I've been like, when we ever get over there, when we ever get down there, I've been trying to keep it in, you know, but my belly just keeps growing. Come on, somebody. It's, it becomes noticeable after a while. And so what we've done is we're working with, and I'm also here to announce that we are, we are launching something today that we are calling Accelerate. Accelerate, it's called Seizing the Opportunity Together as a church. And we are, this is not a capital campaign. It is a comprehensive campaign. In other words, it includes the building, but it includes other stuff. Like my heart is outreach. We want to take our trailers. We want to take our trailers once we get out of here and we don't have to use them anymore. Come on, somebody. We've got our own facility. Um, we want to rewrap them and we want to put love my city all over them. And we want to take two trucks and two trailers and we want to go into the highways and byways of the poverty filled areas of this region and begin to make an impact through love my city. Come on, man, because it's about people, right? Let me make it clear. The building is just a tool. 
It's just a tool to reach people. No different than them trailers are a tool. Nobody goes, well, I can't believe they have trailers. No, you sit in the chairs, you love it, right? I can't believe they have trailers, right? Well, why are we going to get trailers? Well, that's just a tool. A facility is just a tool. And listen, I can tell you this much, us moving in that direction aggressively, God, God, I believe supernaturally is positioning us. And this is why it's a declaration of war, because if you see all those neighborhoods back there behind the, the logo, those represent people. Those represent people. And there are people that are lost or broken. They're having breakfast this morning at their coffee table, at their dining room table, and they don't even know what they need yet. But when we come, and we come with a message of hope and restoration and transformation, I believe God's going to rescue those people. He's going to set these neighborhoods on fire. God's bring the harvest. Listen, I believe that our step in obedience is attached to the level of harvest that we're going to experience. It's about people. It's about people. So we decided to call this Accelerate, and you're going to start to hear Accelerate, and I have some really great people. I want you guys to come on out. Let's give these guys a big hand. Come on out. Everybody just come on out. Let's go, man. It ain't the prom. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give them a big hand. Clap. Keep clapping. There's a lot of them. So these are people from our church. These are people from our church that are part of the Accelerate team. And they might ask you to be on their team, and I'm going to kind of introduce them. And as I do, like I said yesterday, if you guys could do me a favor and just kind of step forward, okay, and then go back. All right, great. It's all you. So, you see that? If you all step forward. So I want to introduce them to you. First off is uh, those that are running the Accelerate uh, uh, piece of, of, of our church is Sean, Sean Waldman and Christian Muncy. Sh Christian's a uh, businessman. He's not here right now. He's traveling. But Sean, good job. Give it up for Sean, man. Sean. I could go down the road and talk about every person, but I won't. Um, and then also our, our promotion directors for this is Sarah Horn and James Harrelson. Where are they at? Come on, give them a big hand clap. And then uh, the advanced leadership directors is Bruce Ratliff and then Nate Story. He's in Tennessee. You guys know Nate. He's 6'5". Come on, give them a big hand clap. And then our follow-up directors, these, these guys right here, Rick and Deb. You guys know them. They've been... They've been, they've been driving these trailers for 10 years. I said they've been driving these trailers for 10 years. Why, wow, you come on in. He, they've been 7 o'clock in the morning. Deb unloads the trailer. She sets up part of the kids' ministry. And so Deb and Rick are part of the, the follow-up, as well as Robin Williams and Missy Patton. Where's Robin? Is she? she hey, hey, there she is. Hey, how you doing? Missy's not here. She's in Florida. And, uh, and so then we have uh, the prayer group, uh, which is led by Lynn Ratliff and Jessica Waldman, if you guys could step forward. We're going to need some people on the prayer team. And then the host and hostess director is Mark and Julie Richard and Glenn and Doreen, uh, I always, staff, Staffieri. Come on, drop. Come on, step them up. And then our informational reception directors, which is where you're going to find out information about where we're headed, where we're at, timelines, all those sorts of things as we move down this road, um, is Josh and Robin Kolb and Darren and Heidi Holland. So give them a big hand clap. Come on, man. Isn't Jesus good? I'm fired up this morning. Yeah, let's go. 
So let me bring it back to the message this morning. We have no idea what we're missing if we stay. But more importantly, we have no idea who we're missing. Put that slide up for me. Before that slide was filled with people, but now there's missing spots. There's spots to be filled. There's people to reach. There's lives to transform. And so I refuse to stay in Ephesus. We're gonna move to Jerusalem. Joshua chapter three, and I'm gonna close with this, and then we're gonna have a time of prayer. Is Joshua chapter three, verse nine through 17. I wanna share this and I'm gonna tell you a story. Verse nine says this. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. Listen to that promise. They were facing an impossible situation. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, all the Ites, the Gerasites, the Amorites, the Jebusites ahead of you. And he says, look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. The Ark of the Covenant was the representative of the presence of God. It, it, it's not me. It's not us. It's the Holy Spirit that's compelling us to go and move in this direction. He says that the Ark of the Covenant would be first. In other words, no matter what we do, it has to be about Jesus first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So he says the Ark of the Covenant is going to go first, the presence of God. And then he says this, he says, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth will lead you across the Jordan River. And he says, now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one for each. The priest will carry the Ark of the Lord. And again, the Ark of the Lord was supposed to be carried by the priesthood in the New Testament. That's you guys, your carriers of the presence. And he says, and, and the Lord of all the earth, as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So Joshua, the new leader, Moses is dead. He's getting ready to take his people across Jordan. And in verse 14, it says, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. So the priests and the Ark of the Covenant's first. And it was the harvest season. So God not only made it difficult, he made it really difficult. He said, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away. So all the way back to Adam. So they stepped in. The water kept flowing this way, but the water went backwards this way. Can you imagine seeing that? that there, there you are. You step in the impossible situation, and all of a sudden the water keeps flowing that way, but the water backs up like a wall all the way back to the city called Adam. And there you are, stepping in this impossible situation with the ark of the Lord and the presence of God. He says, it began to back up a great distance all the way down to Adam, uh, to Adam, which is near Zarethan, and the water below that point flowed down to the Dead Sea, verse 17. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, this is what I want you to hear, because this is us, stood on the dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. I never saw this before. It says they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So I, I saw that and I was like, Lord, what in the world is that? And he says, that's a picture of real life church. He said, there are people that have to go from death to life. And I'm calling real life church to be the people that will stand in the middle with the presence of God and just watch people in the harvest go from death to life, death to life, death to life, death to life, and stand in the middle of impossible 
and watch the Lord reach and touch and transform people's lives. I want to tell you a story. Saturday, and I can tell you the Lord leading up to this point, again, this has taken time. I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of just, just really making sure my spirit's good. And so Saturday, this past Saturday, not, not yesterday, but the following Saturday, I was, I was uh, watch, going down and watch my son play baseball, and all of a sudden, I, my back blew out. And I was, I was at the hotel on Saturday, and it just blew out. I couldn't even hardly walk. I mean, I was, I was hunched over trying to walk. And I knew we were coming into this week. We were coming into this week, and I'm like, nag on it, devil. And so I'm, um, I, uh, I, on Saturday, and so then on Sunday, I came, and I did my balance beam act. Come on, somebody. With all that pain, I was standing on that core. Yeah, I'm, de I'm definitely athletic. Come on, somebody. And so I did that, and I was in a ton of pain. Monday, I got up. I couldn't even hardly get out of bed. And uh, I called my chiropractor. I oh, know you can't get in until, like, next week. And I was like, dear Lord Jesus, we got to do something about this. So, you know, I started popping Advil and praying and putting tiger balm on me, you know, greasing everything up, trying to get this thing to loosen. And then I just kind of realized, Jason, this is a spiritual attack of what's coming. And so on Monday, so on Wednesday, I get up, and I'm in the same situation. I'm not feeling well. My back's hurting. And I had an appointment on Wednesday night, and uh, they had canceled. And so I was able, I was free that night. And when I got up, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to go to church. And I was like, okay, again, I'm talking about just being compelled and nudged by the Holy Spirit. So I got up that morning. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to go to church tonight. Our, our, one of our overseers, uh, he's about 30 minutes from my house, and his church is there, and they do a Wednesday night service. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go to church, and I'm just going to listen. I'm going to church to listen. I just want to listen. I want to worship. And so I texted him. I said, it was about three in the afternoon. I said, hey, bro, I'm coming to your, I'm coming to your church, and uh, I just want to worship. I don't want you to say I'm there, whatever. He's like, oh, 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 come sit by me. I'm like, you sit in the front, bro. I just told you I don't want to sit. I don't want people to know I'm there. I preach at his church several times. I do a staff retreats for his pastors and preach and share. But anyway, so I just felt like the Lord wanted me to go worship. Because it's about him. So I just followed the nudging of the Lord. I went to worship that night. I came in, and I was sitting next to Justin, and worship's going on, and I mean, I'm in it. I don't even know half the songs they're doing, and I'm just in it. Like, I just know I'm, I'm here to worship the Lord. Nothing else in pre preconceived in my mind at all. So I'm worshiping, and uh, so we do the first couple songs. We sit down. They're getting ready to take their offering, and the pastor gets up, not Justin, another pastor gets up, and he starts talking. And... Uh, he starts, you know, he's doing the offering. He's doing trust in the Lord. Tonight we need to trust and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. So I'm like, we're going to build a building. I could say that now, by the way. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so we're going to build a building. So I'm going to go ahead and sow a seed of $20. Come on, somebody. We need millions, by the way, but we're just going to go with the 20 to start. So anyway, I'm just obeying, right? Come on. Loaves and fishes. So anyway, and so I, I, I got the $20 bill out and the pastor's talking. And all of a sudden he goes, there's a guy in this room that uh, he's going to build a church. And he's invested in our church here at Community of Faith. And uh, he's poured into our staff and everything like that. And I'm like, what? is there somebody else here that's building a building? Is there somebody else here? And, and like all of a sudden I start to realize he's talking about me. And so all of a sudden he says, he says, he says to me, he says, he, he tells the people, he says, listen, I want everybody to know tonight that everything you give in this offering is going to Real Life Church to help them build their building. So this is confirmation number one for this week, okay? Now, again, 
Uh, I'm still waiting on the check. Amen. Can't wait for it to get here. But I was obedient. I told him, I looked over, I kept talking to him. I'm like, bro, what are you doing, bro? I told you I just came to worship. He's like, it's just all God, man. It's all God, man. It's just God. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm like, well, at least I'm going to get $20 because I put $20 in the plate. Come on. <laughs> and so anyway, um, I'm, again, so we go back, we go into worship. We're finished with the service. And a gentleman walks up to me that I was talking to prior to the service. He was asking how I was doing. And I'd known him for a few years. And he walks up to me and you can tell something's up. And I was like, how you doing, man? He's like, yeah, and I'm doing really good. And yeah, he's a business owner. And he, he just was talking to me and he's like, listen, he said, before I even knew what the pastor was going to do, he said, when I shook your hand to welcome you to our church tonight, Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I went back to my seat and I've been thinking about this for an hour. And I said, really, what you been thinking about? He's like, well, I want you to go tell your people this weekend. <laughs> he said, when you put your foot in the water, he had no idea I was going to Joshua 3. He says, when you put your foot in the water and you step out in obedience, God's going to roll the waters back and you're going to see things you've never seen in your church before in your entire life. So he gives me that prophetic word and he looks at me and he goes, tell your people that real life church is good seed and we want to, we want to start it. So he handed me a check for $10,000 right there on the front row. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded. I'm walking out of the church like, holy, what in the world? I just came to worship. That's it. That's the only reason I came. And, and all of a sudden, so I got up on Thursday, and my back was completely different. I felt like he was trying to get me out of that Wednesday night. I had no idea. And you, some of you are thinking, well, pastor, that doesn't sound like it's very good business sense, whatever. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit's the best business owner in the entire world. So whatever you've experienced, he's experienced a lot more. All right, and he knows how to move on people's heart anyway. So I tell you that to tell you that those are confirmations that we're heading in the right direction. God's speaking and he's leading and he's guiding us. So I go to the mailbox this morning. People don't even know what we're doing. There's a thousand dollar check in the mailbox from somebody that lives in Tip City. I don't even know. Come on, somebody, they just send it in to say, hey, we want to help you build your building. So listen, the point is this it's not about money. It's not about the building. It's about us listening to the Holy Spirit and what he wants us to do to help us position ourselves to reach more people. Listen to me, church. We've been faithful for 10 years, portable church. Do you realize, Dr. Davis was telling our team, do you realize that the average pastor in America now only stays at their church for two and a half years? And they have facilities. <laughs> we've, been, we've been here uh, for 10 years, portable. It's time to get out of Ephesus and go to Jerusalem and let the Holy Spirit clothe us and reach the world. Come on, somebody. That's it. Bottom line. It's time by the compelling of the Holy Spirit to accelerate the vision God has given us. And we're going to seize the opportunity together. The word cease means to grab a hold of. The word opportunity in your Bible actually means kairos moment. It's an opportune time. It's God's time for the moment right now. It's not a click. It's on a clock. It's God's divine moment. And we're living in it. And listen, it happens together. Every single one of us inviting people, serving, giving, praying, joining a team, all of us together. 
And as we do this together, the Bible says there's nothing impossible for them that do things together according to the scripture. He says they had all things in common and did all things together and the world was changed because they did it together. And so I'm encouraging you now, begin to pray about God wants you, what God wants you to do. You know, we have people in mind, we want to join the prayer group and, and start to lead as a, as a prayer captain for this thing. Listen, nothing happens by accident. And I can tell you right now, this is why it's a declaration of war. Because when we shift, I'll tell you what right now, the enemy's not just gonna give up territory that we think we got. And he's not just gonna give up souls that he's been holding on to for decades. No, it's a declaration of war. And so I'm, I, I'm decreeing and declaring, obviously, that the Lord Jesus Christ, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. And as we move in that direction, God's gonna open up every door, give every resource to reach every person that we're supposed to reach in Southwest Ohio and the world. Amen, everybody. So we're gonna pray together this morning as, as a church. That's the big announcement. You'll start to hear more about it. You'll be invited to, to different receptions and things like that, informational things that I'll be sharing about the facility and where we're at. We do have an architect. Uh, facility is about 90% uh, done with the architect. It's actually at bid right now with a contractor. Uh, that's how serious I am. I'm not playing games. Like, we're, we're moving, okay? Come on, pack your bags, somebody. We're moving out of Ephesus, all right? And so we're moving. And so... Let's, uh, let's pray together. Uh, is there a microphone close by? Lynn, I'm gonna have you come out here and pray. Come on, Lynn. Come on, you're the prayer director. Come on, you should pray. I'm so out of my comfort zone. It's okay, that's why we're here. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. But go ahead and you, we just wanna pray together as a church. Let's just close our eyes and agree with where we're going in the next, next few years. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, it's on, just talk. <laughs> I never use a mic. Father God, I just come Father, we as Real Life Church, thank you. We thank you for this past 10 years. We thank you, Lord, that you've brought us so far from life to death. Father God, you thank you that we thank you that you've allowed us to have Pastor Jason and his family all these years, and we ask your blessing upon them as we continue forward, Lord. We declare and decree right now that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. No weapon formed against this church and anything that's trying to happen from the enemy's point of view will happen, that we will move forward step our foot to this water it will part and we will keep the God in the middle the God of the impossible in the middle of this water as we take our steps forward Lord God we just give you praise we honor you Lord and we just thank you thank you for where you're taking us we declare and decree that many lives will be touched because of you in this area in Springboard or Spring in Springboro that we will spring forth on a spring we will all be athletic and move forward out into this area, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, stir our hearts. Don't let us just hear this with our ears. Let us hear this message with our hearts. And God, use us. Use us to make a change in other people's lives. All we have to do is tell other people, God, what you did for us. You saved us from a life of, of sin and destruction. You gave us freedom, Jesus. All we have to do is tell others. And God, this building will just be a tool that can be used to advance the kingdom, your kingdom, Lord. So we thank you, God. We are excited. We are so excited. And Lord, we boldly step forward. 
we know we can't do it alone. We'll lift up Jason's arms, the arms of his family, the arms of the teams that are going to be formed, Lord Jesus. God, we will work with you to accelerate this vision, Holy Spirit. Accelerate. And that together, we can. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty, powerful, holy, wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I want to do something before we go. Uh, you guys can all, you can exit. We're going to go ahead and take up our offering. Amen, somebody. Go ahead and uh, let's give them a big hand clap for stepping up to lead in this season. And uh, uh, real quick, don't leave. Sarah, you stay here really quick. And uh, Teddy, where's Teddy? Teddy, come up here real quick. Uh, and uh, Kyle and Kaylee, are you here? Josh and Sarah Burkamp, will you guys come up? Kip and Kimberly, you, got, you guys that were a part of the original crew in the house, I want you guys to come up here. If you were part of the original crew that came to the, that met in the house, I want you to come up. Come on all the way up here. I want you all to come up here. Whoa, whoa. Yep, my kids. Brayden, you were tiny. Get up here. What's wrong with you? My wife. See, the reason we can move in this direction is because somebody believed early on that we could. When we first started the church, I met like their family, this family from this side over is like 300 people. <laughs> and we met at Heather's Cafe and we had the big, right? We met at Heather's and we had the big spread and we, 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 we met there and we talked about what God wanted to do in this region. I remember meeting with Teddy and Sarah and if you met Sarah 10 years ago, we, she's a totally different human being. Now we met, us and Teddy and my wife and, and Sarah, we met at Applebee's. Come on, come on, half off appetizers. Come on, man. Church planner, you got to get the best you can get out of your dollar. And I mean, we bought more food that night. I bet we bought everything on the menu. We were so nervous. But we met that night and we just talked about the dream of what real life church could become in this region based on what God had spoken to me. And here's what I, I just want. Listen, I could get, if I could give every one of them a Ferrari, I would. But I want you to know something, that, that these folks right here, I'm so honored that Josh is in here right now, but I'm so honored. They, they were the ones that were in the house. They were the ones praying for this. And this next move that we're going to, to is, is this is harvest from their prayers and their efforts and everything they invested. They served in kids. They've done outreach. They served in prayer. They've left groups. They've done it all, folks, all the way back to the beginning. And we were uncertain about what was going to happen. But this next move, I want to honor them this morning because we wouldn't be moving in this next place if they hadn't heard from the beginning to even start Real Life Church almost 11 years ago. Come on, somebody. Will you stand on your feet? I want to honor them. Come on, stand on your feet. Give them a big hand clap. Come on, give them a big hand clap. Thank you. You guys are amazing. I, we couldn't do where we're going without you. Let's, uh, and we're going together. Everybody look at your neighbor and say together. No one left behind. If you've ever read the books, don't read the books. No one left behind.
All right, so we're going to go ahead and receive our offering this morning, and, uh, and we're going to pray over our offering today. You guys can go ahead and go down there. You got to get your checkbooks. Go ahead. I love you. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. <laughs> I love you. Bring it in. Love you. Careful going down those stairs. What a monumental day for our church. We've turned the page into a new chapter. And so let's, let's trust the Lord this morning as we give. There's many ways you can give on the screen there, up there. Teddy, you got my, there we go. You can live, give at liveralife.com front slash give. You can text the word give with the amount to that number. You can give in person at our giving stations or you can give on our app. And so I want you to know something. This is a big move, but it's not too big for God. Amen. And so let's pray together. Thank you for your generosity. And, uh, you know, we're going to be sharing things over these next couple, couple months and stuff just to let you kind of know what we've done in these last 10 years. But I want to let you know one of the major statistics that just blesses my heart, that over 10 years, out of all the money that's come in, we've been able to take 13% of that money and give it to missions, outreach into our community. 13% of what's come in has went out the door financially. That's a big deal. And you might not know this, but the average statistic is 3% for churches. So we're 13% because we care about people. We want to reach more people. So, Father, we magnify you. Thank you for today. Lord, we seal today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you today for the days ahead and where we're going. And, God, we're excited to see the harvest come in from the north, south, east, and west. And today, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. It's going to be something amazing that glorifies you, that, that people will turn to you and glorify you. And so, Lord, we love you today. We praise you for it. Bless every heart that gives this morning. Let there be a spirit of faith stirred within our church. In the name of Jesus, we love you and thank you for it. In Jesus Jesus name. God bless you, everybody. Have an amazing week. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.